0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. Several weeks ago, we had the founder of the Light Energy Company on, David Oshesky. And we talked a lot about the science of light. But I've invited David back to talk about single frequency light, LEDs and lasers and how they heal. We want to know for consumers, what should you look for? What light boxes or healing products you should look for? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the founder of the Light Energy Company back to its rainmaking time, David Oshevsky. Thanks for being here.
1: Okay, thank you, Kim. It's good to be back again. I'm sitting here in nice sunlight in Hawaii.
0: We're jealous, and as a result, we're getting on a plane, <laughs> and we're coming <laughs> well, to stay my, at your home.
1: <laughs> I'm getting my sun quota already.
0: <laughs> Listen, let's talk about healing and light. I think some people think that other than the sun it's hoopla but it's not is it
1: no it's not sunlight is the basis of all, all life on this planet so sunlight is extremely important and we discussed a lot of how it worked in the body last time and and uh how much you need of it and the good and the bad aspects but without sunlight uh things deteriorate pretty fast with the with the human body and so there are other types of light therapies that can be applied to make up for this lack of sunshine, lack of light in a lot of people's lives, and it's getting uh, more so. They're really uh, they really are uh, excluded from light a lot because you're in buildings and you don't get out in the sunlight. When you do, there's clouds and rain and weather conditions, so. We really don't get our quota. So people on this planet, at least in the States a lot, are getting less and less sunlight and they're getting um, more and more uh, medical problems. So basically, uh, we really need to understand the therapy of light, what, what it can do, because we can take care of ourselves a lot when we understand... The nature of light and we can take care of ourselves like we can heal ourselves we can do a lot of things without anybody else's uh, involvement so learning as much as you can about what effects light has is very important to the um, wellness of your life now and upcoming
0: talk a little bit about single frequency light what does it mean what does it tell us And expand on that for us.
1: Okay. Uh, Well, basically speaking, single frequency light is like a single radio station. So when you turn to station 660 on your radio dial or channel 66, what are you getting? You're getting a single frequency. And it's one of many frequencies that exist on the radio and television uh, spectrum. So uh, if we are talking about single uh, frequency light or single wavelength light, that's what we're talking about, isolating it down to a single one because it has magical uh, effects on the body. And, um, And so that's what we're going to be talking about. But I'd kind of like to go back briefly and kind of recap for the people who are listening now that didn't listen a week ago, give them just a little backdrop of uh, what we covered before leading up to this. And the, the backdrop is really all the concerns about light that keep you healthy, that deteriorate you, then we will lead back into the single frequency light, which is something that can specifically heal damaged tissue. So with that, if that's okay with you?
0: Absolutely, go ahead.
1: Okay, so the backdrop we covered was essentially sunlight. And uh, sunlight is made up, the best way to to, to view sunlight is when you see a rainbow. Because when the sunlight hits the atmosphere, it breaks it into like a prism, and breaks it into all these different colors. And those colors are wavelengths. Well, the sun consists of 1,500 of those. So there's a lot of wavelengths there. And the, uh, each of the colors that you see also are subdivided into, like red has many, many 70 different wavelengths of red in, the, in that color that you see. So sunlight really is just a conglomeration of 1,500 wavelengths. And our body needs all those wavelengths. So we stay healthy by getting the sunlight in into our body, as we discussed last week. For those who are interested, they can go back and listen to that for a lot of the detail. But essentially, that sunlight keeps us healthy. And then we moved into, well what happens if you can't get sunlight? How can you reproduce it? And that's where we talked about full-spectrum light, which is an, a way to use fluorescent technology to reproduce as many of the wavelengths of sunlight as sunlight is is technically possible. So we had an alternative. We talked a lot about full-spectrum light having mimic sunlight to keep our body healthy. And then we touched uh, briefly on, well, what is our standard lighting? And and I think I'd like to come back to that a little bit. Uh, Incandescent light, fluorescent light, halogen light. These constitute the bulk of all of our lighting, and we're exposed to it. Now, the important thing here to understand about artificial light is that if you really require sunlight and you don't get it because you're indoors a lot, you not only uh, lose the effects of sunlight, but you are subjected to artificial light with its negative impacts. Like a double whammy, it's getting hit with a left punch and a right punch. (laughs) So not only do we want to simulate, get more sunlight simulated, but we want to banish the bad light and get rid of it out of our environment. So it's very important for the people in the... In the listening audience here to understand what those negative effects are of those lights so they'll feel motivated to get rid of them. The um, incandescent light, uh, because it's made of a material called tungsten inside, it produces red, orange, yellow type light and we're all familiar with the yellow light bulb. Well that kind of light has a detrimental effect several ways. Um, For one thing, that yellow, primary yellow light, um, causes your eyes to squint. It is, while it's a very bright color, it is one of the worst type colors on the human body. It causes our eyes to squint uh, when we uh, see it and if I just take an incandescent bulb and turn it on and off in front of you, you will watch your eyes squint, open, squint, open. So what happens is we, under uh, incandescent light, we go into eye problems. Uh, we go into glasses. We go, uh, we put too much stress on our eyes. The second thing that that incandescent light does is that when you go to read under it, yellow light uh, does not absorb into the paper, the usually white paper with black uh, letters on it. That kind of light doesn't absorb, it bounces off as glare. So we start reading something and our eyes start squinting and uh, we find the letters blur and this is very difficult to read under. And the average person can get a full spectrum light bulb, put it in uh, say in a lamp right alongside of an incandescent bulb for comparison, put in that bulb, put the same piece of paper under full spectrum, and wow, there's no glare, there's no bounce back, the letters look like black braille. And so it's much easier to read. You can you can Probably within 20 minutes of reading under an incandescent bulb, your eyes get tired and you start having things like headaches and you want to put the book down or the paper down. Under full spectrum, you can read for hours. There's just no strain on the eyes. So that's the second problem with the incandescent lights is that it has um, this effect of glare on paper. The third thing is that the nerve endings of your, on your skin, the yellow light causes those nerve endings to contract. And what is contracting nerves? That is called stress. And so when you have uh, incandescent lights around you, your nerves are always contracted. And so you have a low to medium-grade stress on you continually until you get out of that artificial incandescent light. The average person can experience this right away. You can be under an incandescent light for a while and then simply walk out your front door, get out of the light, but be aware of your body, and your body relaxes as soon as you move out the door.
0: Why don't they have full spectrum then in all the schools? I would see this as being essential for learning.
1: Uh, two reasons. Money, money, money. Uh, number two is that there are a lot of studies out there that show the improvement of students. The students' grade point averages go up. They are less hyper in the school rooms. Their, even their dental uh, cavity rate goes down because the full-spectrum light creates uh, vitamin D and therefore healthier bones and, and in teeth. Now, these studies are out there, but the obvious fact is that somebody has to pay for this other type of, of lighting going in. And so we get a lot of pilot projects in schools that they put it in one room and everything I just said goes ahead. The students get much better and everything, but then they look at the bill to redo the whole school. And then it just gets put on the back burner and only students that benefit would be those whose parents at home put in full spectrum lighting so their kids can study under it at night. At least that's mitigating part of the problem.
0: What about for buildings, Dave? For example, in office spaces? They're usually what kind of lighting? Fluorescent?
1: Oh, well yeah, fluorescent. Well when we talk about the bad lighting, you know, we I I dwelled a little bit on incandescent lighting. and and gave you some reasons why it's bad. And along with that, it also depresses the immune system, so you you aren't as healthy under, your defenses aren't as great under incandescent light. So if you say incandescent light is bad, then you jump next to halogen light, and if incandescent light is a bad light, halogen light can be characterized as a very bright bad light, (laughs) And so it uh, it also puts off a lot of ultraviolet light uh, of the bad kind. And if they didn't have glass over the filament inside, then you would be exposed to a wrong kind of ultraviolet. So that's why they put glass over halogen lights. In the early years, they didn't have that. Then you jump to the third type of light, which is fluorescent. And fluorescent is is bad because it still has the yellow color to it. So it has all the detrimental effects of incandescent and halogen. But then on top of it, with a fluorescent light, you get a pulsing rate. that's equal to the pulsing rate of your electricity. You're on a 120 volt, um, 60 hertz uh, power. Well, 60 hertz means it's turning on and off 60 times a second. And so this fluorescent technology of turning stuff on and off uh, gives you an irritability that is everybody experiences when you walk into a fluorescent uh, lit room is you don't feel good. You know, well, that's that irritation of pulsing. And the uh, third thing that fluorescent light is bad is that uh, along with that pulsing, Power supply itself, called the ballast, puts out uh, radiation. So you are affected by radiation. Uh, And interesting studies where you would take a a fluorescent fixture and move it down close to new sprouting plants, and the sprouting plants would die near the ends of the uh, tubes because of the radiation. Now they've corrected this fluorescent type radiation effects and the pulsing rate by going to a faster power supply, called an electronic one. So that got rid of the pulsing and got rid of, for the most part, the radiation. And, and that worked pretty good, but the, they still had the same color bulbs in, so they still had the problems with the yellow light. So those are the recap of the three types of, of bad lighting. You know, again, when I say you don't get enough sunlight and then you're inside the boxes, your your, hou- your uh, schools, your, uh, your houses, your offices, so essentially what's going on is you're subjected to all these other things, so you're getting the double whammy.
0: That's clear. Very, that very the clear. Part we
1: didn't go into in a lot of depth, but I thought it was important to the audience out there that they realize why they need to consider the detrimental effects of light. So I think maybe at this point, unless you've got some questions on uh, sunlight and the ambient type lighting, we could move back. I do
0: have one comment about the fact that almost all infrastructure is composed of bad lighting.
1: Yes, it is.
0: And because the paradigm is not science-based or healing-based, it's likely that a lot of infrastructure won't change unless new infrastructure comes in with the paradigm using light as a healing and energy source in creative places and entrepreneurial and enterprising places. And that becomes central to the paradigm in the construction of new structures. And that's where I see almost a new industrial complex where light is central to everything that's built.
1: It's going to be wonderful when it gets there. (laughs) Actually, this... uh... Uh, banning of incandescent lights because of economy of expenditure of of energy funds and forcing you to, you to go to compact fluorescent lights uh has a good side to that you know it's it's banning a lot of these incandescent lights, not for the reason we want. <laughs> But the uh-huh. end objective is that compact fluorescents will help that condition.
0: If they're full spectrum.
1: Yeah, and yeah. now if people will, will realize that their compact fluorescents should be full spectrum, not the normal yellow-based uh, compact fluorescents, but the full spectrum, now, they, get a, now they, they have a launching pad to much better health by just changing the lights in their house.
0: But I still want to go back to one thing about the full spectrum. Right now, how much infrastructure contains full-spectrum that people can buy? Hardware stores? And is all full-spectrum the same?
1: If you use all full-spectrum, the best way to evaluate full-spectrum is to use two, two indices. When you go to see a light and you ask your Costco or your Walmarts or your Home Depots or your local lighting company, and is this full-spectrum light? as long as it qualifies under two numbers, one called the CFR, or Color um, Rendering Index, uh, uh, CRI, excuse me. And CRI is in numbers, 100 being sunlight. If um, your bulb is 90 or above CRI, that's good. The other one is a heat Uh, degrees Kelvin type rating. And if it's above 5,000, then it's a full spectrum. So if you find bulbs anywhere that have on them, these are uh, higher than 5,000 degree Kelvin, and they're higher than 90 CRI, color rendering index, then they are full spectrum. So that's how the consumer... So would
0: 5,000 be enough?
1: Uh, well, you can get it up to six thousand, but okay. I, I'm giving you a cutoff point. Right, got to be above those. Below that is, it, it's obvious when they go below ninety, the color turns yellow.
0: Okay,
1: and so it's there. It's pretty blatantly obvious that they're they're not ranking ninety or above when you look at a bulb. So
0: that's very helpful. Let's talk about single frequency light
1: well let's let's take a a baby step first okay so people can relate to this. Um, when you take a red light bulb or green light bulb or blue, or you take a white bulb and you put some kind of a color uh, gel or shield in front of it so that it, it only the red comes through or only the yellow comes through. This has been over history called color therapy, and it the the what 's important to us is that it is isolating down sunlight with all these wavelengths to one band of color uh, and that band can contain uh, sixty to a hundred different wavelengths of that same color uh, so for many years uh Color therapy has been out there, uh, colored glasses, uh, putting uh, water into different color glasses and uh, drinking glasses. And this type of color therapy is effective. It kind of, uh, how do I put it, it affects the energy feel around your body and, and their thereby going down into the physical body after a period of time. So it's like a two-step process with this. And even the um, even the AMA uses some of this color therapy stuff. For instance, uh, blue lights are often put on newborn babies that have jaundice. So they take this blue band with of color and they put it on the babies and the jaundice disappears.
0: I didn't know that. I was jaundiced as a child.
1: If they were on top of it, they put blue light on you.
0: I was born looking like I was lit by a yellow light bulb.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the blue was put on you for the first, I don't know, x 30 days, I guess, or maybe last two weeks or even 10 days, and, and the jaundice disappears. Uh, also, the red band is kind of famous for being used all the way back to the turn of the century by... A Dr. Finson, who used the red light to help cure TB. So the, there are lots of stories about using color bands of light to increase the health condition of people. And uh, uh, as I said, the, one of the more famous person's name is Dinshaw. And, and a lot of people will recognize that name and color. So what I want the audience to know is that we can go from full, full spectrum, so to speak, to a partial spectrum of one color with many wavelengths in it, and we can effect some healing, only that healing generally is slow. Sometimes things take three or four days under colored light to occur. And so that's the concept of color therapy, and now we can segue directly into our single frequency light where we're taking not only a red bandwidth of 70 wavelengths but we're isolating one and we'll talk a lot about the the one the red ones uh, go from around 600 to 670 nanometers of, of uh, that's how they designate each wavelength we're going to talk primarily about 660 because that's the epitome of single frequency light for treating so now we're at single frequency light and why is this one more important than anything else because it has the ability to stimulate uh, literally recovery of damage or abnormal cells in the body you can have an open wound you can let it heal normally with uh, with forming, you know how healing goes on an open wound. And it gets kind of pussy and forms a scab, and then you heal over usually seven to ten days. When you use a single frequency of light, it actually stimulates that cell to heal quicker. And so you apply a light to it for, oh, five minutes. Do that every couple of hours, and you can watch the open wound literally closing uh, in front of your eyes. Over a period of 24 hours, you can watch the skin grow. (laughs) Literally, the membrane grows so fast that the body doesn't have to even uh, put a uh, scab over. It doesn't have time to form a scab because it's already healing. And it will heal so quickly and so thoroughly that you never leave a scar.
0: That's pretty profound.
1: Just giving you, yeah, just an overview of the power of a single frequency light to accelerate healing is dramatic. And and the uh, flip side of that is that if you change the, the uh, mode of application a little bit, with, instead of having a pulsing rate, you have a continuous flow of light that diminishes pain. You put it over an aching joint in, in minutes.
0: Or an L5 that's giving you a lot of pain. and Yeah,
1: just put the light on it for a while and and the tissue relaxes and the, and the pain diminishes. So the value of single frequency light is its ability to um, get rid of pain and to accelerate healing in abnormal damaged tissue in the body. So that's... That's why we want to talk about this, is because while the other lights can keep you healthy, this single frequency light can repair things. It's like a welding torch applied to a piece of metal. It can fuse it and make it whole.
0: I think that for the most part, most of us have totally underestimated the value of light, the presence of light, and on a photonic level, probably never considered that it has healing properties.
1: Right so let's let's under let's go into a little bit of what is how does this healing uh, process work you know how, what what is the uh, what is the mechanism that takes place that makes all this uh, i call it a like a silver bullet you know because you you can affect a change in the cell tissue but you can't overuse it and there are no side effects you can't do anything wrong. Um, and, and that's the beauty of, of dealing with this. So the mechanism is this. Um, and the uh, best way, I think, for audiences to appreciate this is that they have one of these tools in their home. That's their remote control for their TV. <laughs> the remote control for their TV actually does put out a single wave of invisible light. It's in a different spectrum. But there's a sensor in the TV that responds to a single frequency light. And so when you push your remote control button, the light goes in towards the TV. The sensor senses it and responds only to a single wave. It will not respond to more than one wave. And as soon as it senses it, it turns on the TV's electronics, and your set comes on, and you watch the picture. Now, the types that are used, the LED lights, that's an LED light in a remote control. It happens to be called an infrared one, an invisible light. But now if you take an LED light, and I'll come back to the fact that the, the best are in the red frequency range, And you take a red light and you shine it on your body. And your body will, um, your cells of your body are like, in a sense, every single cell, if you picture it like a circle, all the um, internal workings of the cell are inside the circle, the mitochondria, the DNA, everything that makes that cell um, do what it is supposed to in your body. Around the outer membrane of it, the outside of the circle, are many, many hundreds of sensors. And these sensors are like the sensor in the TV. And this is how the cell um, understands its place in, in the body. It's how it senses it. These sensors are like the equivalent of our eyes, ears, nose, our senses.
0: Fascinating. Yeah, that's fascinating.
1: And, and these and these sensors respond to single frequency light. So when I shine a uh, a single frequency light on tissue, if it go in, in the light will penetrate. Depending on the type of unit, it'll penetrate deeper or or shallow. It depends on the power of the unit. But essentially, when the light goes into the uh, the area you want to deal with. If the cells are healthy in that area, they, these little sensors don't respond. It's like trying to turn a TV set on that's already on. They don't respond. A healthy cell does not respond to a light. But if the cell is damaged or diseased in any way, shape, or form, then when the frequency, the single frequency is sensed, then it signals directly through the membrane of the cell, directly into the guts of the cell. And you literally turn on the bioelectronics of the cell, and the cell starts healing itself, just like your TV set came on. And once you've done that, then the cell can take over and jumpstart its own repair and keep going. So a light, these single-frequency lights, are can be... Construed as just a remote control for jump-starting your cell to heal itself.
0: The red light is called what in the single frequency bandwidth?
1: It's called two things. It's called a laser or a light-emitting diode. Now, there's only really two ways to isolate and produce a single wave of light, and that is with a laser or with what is called a light-emitting diode. Lasers, we're all familiar with. Um, They come in different strengths. There's cutting lasers. There's little laser pointers. There are various power levels of lasers. Um, And what is the nature of a laser is that it is single wavelength, and it's called coherent or highly focused. That's why you see a point when you do a laser. It's focused. The other type of way to produce a single frequency is the light emitting diode, which most of our listeners are aware of in their, as these little red, blue, green indicator lights in their electronic equipment, in their uh, smoke detectors, in their dashboards of their cars, etc. Those little lights are called light emitting diodes, and they differ from a laser. Uh, Well, they're similar to a laser in the sense they produce a single wavelength, but they differ from the laser in the sense that they are not focused. Their their light doesn't come to a point. It actually widens into a broader circle as you, say, pull an, an LED away from, oh, if you shine it on a piece of paper up close, you get a dot. As you pull further away from the paper, then the dot widens. That's called non-coherent and it's defocused. So the difference is that in treating tissue, it doesn't matter whether you are focused or not focused. What is important is that it's a single frequency. So that allows us to use lasers or LEDs to treat tissue.
0: I'm surprised the FDA hasn't gone after the technology. How come the technology is allowed to proceed?
1: Well, first of all, lasers are usually allowed only for treating by qualified professionals. Why? Because a laser can have harmful effects. You can actually overuse it on tissue, um, You can put it in sensitive areas and cause damage, like your eyes. We see a lot of uh, articles in the newspaper about banning laser pointers in schools because kids shine it in each other's eyes and damage the eyes. So uh, the FDA basically says, okay, well, lasers can be controlled by practitioners, and so therefore uh, that's who will allow to do, quote, research work Um, and the LEDs of course are in every kind of electronic equipment all over the world so you can't really regulate LEDs and there's no need to anyway because they're so safe and you can point an LED in your eye and leave it there all day if you want and you're not going to have any negative effects. So uh, the FDA has been Pretty uh, two points. They have been pretty strong on who can use lasers, and then second, they've been pretty strong on uh, other companies making claims about what um, about uh, things that can be done with LEDs. So uh, I think that has pretty much restricted things uh, from uh, moving ahead as fast as they could. But I think there. The, uh, the marketing people, companies, have, have kind of sidestepped that a lot. If today you notice that there are a lot of um, advertisements for using uh, single frequency light to for cosmetic use, for reducing wrinkles, uh, for um, uh, basically the cosmetic application area is not as controlled by the FDA's.
0: What about the saunas? There's saunas with light. What are they called?
1: Uh, Far infrared
0: sauna? Right, the far infrared saunas. What about those?
1: Well, a far infrared sauna uses a type of an LED in the sense that it has a single frequency, but it's up in the infrared range, uh, 940. And by putting the saunas using that particular frequency, it's used to help open pores in the skin to um, uh, diffuse uh, toxicity that accumulates in the fat. When people get a lot of toxic metals and so forth, your body protects it by putting it into the fat of your body and encapsulating it into a little liquid bubble, almost like water. And that protects your body. Well, a far-infrared sauna will open up your pores, allow you to perspire, and that particular frequency will pop the little water bubble on the heavy metal, and it'll it'll swish out of your body. So in far-infrared saunas are a specialized use of a single wavelength of light in the infrared range.
0: I hear they're marvelous.
1: Uh, yes, they are. They're great for detoxing the body. They're great for uh, stimulating... Immune system, um, re- relaxing joints, etc., like that. But again, keep in mind, far infrared is another aspect of light therapy. Actually, the, the far infrared uses a LED type technology. They're they're made differently than the LEDs we've been talking about, but essentially they produce a single frequency. Great. Right. Coming back to LEDs in 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 healing. Um, The reason I think it's important now is that back in the late 70s and 80s, the discovery of what I just told you, the mechanism of how these LEDs work on tissue, or healing and regeneration of tissue and pain relief, was started in Russia by a group in Moscow who published a lot of information in the 70s and 80s on the use of light and how this mechanism works that I simplified for you. And it started spreading uh, over to the United States and got uh, more widely uh, applied. But then In uh, the year 2000, NASA kind of uh, accelerated it when they came out in National Geographic magazine in 2001, I believe, where they said, we're using LEDs to heal our astronauts in space.
0: Heal them from what?
1: Any wounds. When an astronaut is in the weightlessness of space, wounds do not heal. (laughs) You need gravity to heal. (laughs) That's an interesting concept. I didn't know that. You're right. So if you get injured up there, you don't heal till you get back down here. So the NASA was interested in the fact that LEDs would accelerate uh, regeneration about a factor of five times faster than normal. So that way they could use theoretically use led units on an astronaut in space who got injured and they would heal five times faster and so therefore there would allow some healing to take place before they got back so that's essentially the nature of it and in in that national geographic it kind of opened the whole topic and it started touting where some research was being done at some of the universities and this precipitated a wider spread use of many companies coming in and trying to uh, duplicate the technology. And, and so we now in today's world, you can go on Internet and Google and under LED lights and different colors and different keywords, but basically there's a lot of stuff out there now about the use of LEDs and lasers. So my point in talking to the audience today is a little bit is, hey, if somebody is just hearing this for the first time and goes on the internet or hears some ads and things about uh, LEDs and lasers for cosmetic use and pain relief and anything else, you're going to be um, hit with such a wide set of information that you're going to be quite confused and puzzled. And so I thought the biggest value I could give at this point is just like I was telling you about full-spectrum lights versus, and sunlight versus the bad uh, standard lighting. Over here, I'm going to try to give you some uh, pieces of information that will help you wade your way through and, and find out how to take advantage of this technology, because if you get if you get a right unit, there's virtually nothing in the body you can't work on with led lights, and you can do it yourself. you can buy a unit and it's good for the rest of your life, and you can use it and use it and use it.
0: What kind of units are we talking about
1: well okay i I think the way I would like to describe this is first of all to separate the whole concept of lasers versus LEDs because that eliminates one of the biggest questions.
0: Didn't you kind of lay that out?
1: Exactly. So therefore, what I'm saying to the audience, determine whether the unit that you're looking at is a low-power or cold laser or whether it is an LED. There is nothing an LED uh, can't do the lasers and LEDs are pretty much equivalent as to what they can do, only the LEDs are safe and the lasers may have hazards to them. So, first of all, audience, you don't need to go lasers. They're expensive, they don't last longer, they're not as safe. Uh, it usually, uh, you if you don't buy one and they're expensive, you have to have a practitioner use it, and so you're paying your doctor calls. So, First thing I would recommend for the average person uh, off the street: consider LEDs. Forget lasers. <laughs> That'll set your mind at ease right there. Now, when you look at LEDs, now there's a couple of things that are very important to look at, and those start with um, the first of all. Realize that any different wave of light in the entire spectrum of sunlight will be able to um, affect tissue to a certain degree. So therefore, what's the reason for going to a red? Well, the red is the fastest and the best of all the frequencies. So you're going to see different colors out there, and different colors have Two, two problems. One is the red's at the top of the hill and everybody else is lower on the hill. So if you're going to get an LED, get one that's the, that's the best acting. There's no difference in cost and it's more effective. Um, the, the second thing is that um, these LEDs should not be mixed you, you don't want to. You want a unit that is all one color, preferably red, uh, but it could be all blue or all green. But if you're, the unit out there mixes the wavelengths, then basically uh, you have a unit that's going to perform more, more poorly compared to one that has all the same colors. And the best analogy I can give you, Kim, is. If you listen to this radio station 660 on your radio dial, you hear it clear, It's it's you can understand it. But now if I turn on four radio stations, uh, station 600, 610, 660, 700, all at the same time on four different units, you're getting conflicting signals hitting you.
0: And a diffusion of focus.
1: Exactly. So uh, you're confused. You don't understand any of the four. So... Put yourself in the picture of a cell. Now, the cell's getting hit with blue, red, green. uh, At the same time, the little sensors on the cell are going to literally shut down. They're, They're hit with confusing signals, so they don't
0: respond at all. So why are people manufacturing these confusing and many signals coming in at the same time, knowing that science of the cell, as you described?
1: Well... I guess the first thing is when you go to market a product, you don't necessarily know all the science of the background. You know, um, this, they may not know that simple fact. And so they approach it from a marketing standpoint. The marketing standpoint says, uh, Oh, if red's good, then blue and green and red are even better. And, and it, it, it's an easy sale pitch to people, just like I said, nothing more than that. And unless the person knows that it's the single wavelength, undiluted by being different colors, that really does the trick. So first of all, uh, the uh, multicolor is a nice marketing tool. Oh, it's great. It's It's great. I think that's probably the biggest thing is the marketing aspect of this. Remember, a lot of people, too, who do know about color therapy, color therapy is the broadband color, so they're used to using different colors. So a lot of manufacturers took that old Dinshaw and color therapy philosophy and moved it forward and used it with LEDs, but it doesn't compute. They're not the same. One one uses broadband color, and the other uses single wavelength.
0: So the science is off.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of reasons why people jump on the bandwagon and want to produce a unit and get it out there and sell. NASA says this. NASA says that. So my advice to the audience again is, if you're looking at a unit, make sure it's got one one color. <laughs> It's not multiple colors. That's a that's a real obvious one that they can tell. Will
0: manufacturers tell us? If people don't buy from you, and let's say they buy from somewhere else, will the manufacturers state how many colors are in the single oh, wave? Oh,
1: yes, they will. It, they, they'll basically say what's in it. And, uh, and so it's easy to find out what colors are in it. I mean, and your eye can see everything except infrared. So you can see blue and green and And red, the unit has that. It's just that the game here is don't use more than one color at a time. And the other, because it sets up this, uh, uh, how do I want to put it? It's almost like there's a destructive interference pattern. Now, you can get an interference pattern also the same way by putting your LEDs too close together because then as they penetrate the tissue, they hit the cell at different times, and it seems like it's almost a different wavelength. So you need your LEDs kind of spaced out a little bit and not clustered together. That's another good uh, thing to look for. The, um, The other thing is that your lights have to have a certain amount of brightness in order to penetrate deeper into the tissues. But I think the biggest thing for people is look for a single frequency, look for spaced out LEDs, and then the only other thing that's really effective, you can go all the way from one light up to hundreds if you want in a, in a given unit. And the thing to remember is that it's really the spacing is how big of a coverage it goes you really are important about how deep the penetration is because if you can't reach deep, well, then you can't help certain areas in the body. So we found over the years by experimentation that if you align the LEDs, uh, certain uh, geometrical patterns, that it actually allowed the effective penetration of the light to go much deeper. Physically, you couldn't see the light, but if it went deeper, you could see the effect of the light on the cells deeper. So we found that using geometrical patterns that it allowed the light to go deeper. And, and when you have a unit, it's very interesting if you, normally LEDs, when you pull them away from an area like on your tissue, pull them away, they get lighter and more diffused. Like I said, diffused LEDs. But if you take a unit and you shine in, in, say, in a dark room on the ceiling, you expect all the light to dissipate and there not not be anything up there five feet above your head. But if you set the pattern correctly, you get a very large single LED uh, circle up there uh, many feet across. And what it's saying to you is this, incoherent light that doesn't focus and travel like a laser actually does throw the light a distance. And so by having, looking at the geometrical arrangement on an LED unit, you can actually tell if it's going to go deeper or not.
0: Talk about some of your phototherapy products.
1: The single frequency lights uh, with one light are really good uh, for... uh, several types of things. Um, You can do acupuncture work with a single light. Uh, Oh, excuse me. I I left one out thing. You must look at your LED unit to make sure it has both a pulsing frequency, it turns on and off, and it has a non-pulsing frequency, continuous, because continuous will kill pain and pulsing will stimulate healing. So your unit, whatever you buy needs to have both options. It can't be just a continuous light like a laser. It it has to have the ability to pulsate also. So now single lights are really quite good for treating acupuncture points and uh, the solid light will sedate the point and the, the pulsing light will stimulate it. So you can get stimulate and sedate of acupuncture points.
0: So low back pain, for example.
1: You want a bigger area, that a bigger light that will cover more area. The, um, the bigger lights are usually disc or light pad or light disc that this covers bigger area and can easily work around lower back pain, neck pain, that kind of thing. Uh, also the bigger the units the better the geometrical arrangement and so therefore the deeper it can go so the bigger units have the ability to go deeper than the units with one light or three lights so we span the whole spectrum we have like a single light unit a three light unit a 17 light unit and a 23 light unit and they can be wrapped on your body if you want, like a big Band-Aid and wrapped around it, keep your hands free, or you can hold it with a light disc and be established with a handle and you can reach any place in your body.
0: Do you find that most people find it hard to believe through their belief systems or to accept that light can be therapeutic and have healing properties?
1: No, I I think that people in, in... Intuitively have an uh, concept that the light will help their body. They know that because when they go out in sunlight they feel better, <laughs> so there's this intuitive and, and even esoteric that we are light bodies, right? I mean people Correct. hear this all the time and stuff and and there's a physical truth to that, same concept, even though that's a spiritual concept. Um, they feel that light is part. Of their body, and if you treat the body, which is a light absorption uh, entity, you, you can you can help and repair it so in intuitively, I think people believe in light.
0: I have a controversial question for you okay with the aerosol spraying of our atmosphere that is going on all the time all over the world that is putting violent chemicals in the air, and what we're breathing in, our nanoparticles, pretty ferocious things. Is this impacting the light that's shining through to us?
1: Physically, the aerosol in the atmosphere is reducing or um, glancing off the especially ultraviolet portion from the sun. And since ultraviolet is the most important part of sunlight on our basic health, then yes, it is because it it reflects away ultraviolet. And then even though you're in the sun, if you happen to be under these aerosol spraying things, then what you're receiving on your body is less. So even uh, I think that's the biggest effect is it acts as a screen on ultraviolet.
0: Yeah, and I'm only talking with respect to the sunlight being able to get absorbed in your body. And I would imagine that there's a place for the microwave stations, dirty electricity impacts. I wonder if this is also polluting the good sunlight that we're getting in our system and rendering it null and void.
1: I think the impact of the microwaves, et cetera, are not impacting the sunlight directly. In fact, they're they're part of the spectrum that comes from Uh, the electromagnetic spectrum, so they're all sort of cousins of each other. But the uh, radiation from the microwaves cause uh, a change in the tissue of the body. It causes toxification in the body, and the cells become toxic and therefore much more open to uh, impact by, uh, say, the ultraviolet in sunlight. In essence, I guess what I'm saying is that a person subjected to a lot of microwave is probably going to have adverse effects from the UV of sunlight where somebody who is not highly affected by uh, the microwaves is probably going to do very well in sunlight because the UV is not going to bother them. And the difference is one has toxic cells, the other has healthy cells. Interesting.
0: Does that make sense? Absolutely. We're not even going to talk about all the adverse effects of those things on the body beyond what you're saying, but relative to sunlight, I just wanted to know what your take was on it.
1: Right. Incidentally, I think maybe i throw in a completely separate topic here just for a second if you want. It has to do with um, uh, exposure to computer screens and TVs and so Absolutely. forth. Absolutely. And it has nothing to do um, directly with the radiation. Uh, we've talked before about radiation effects from those. There, fluorescent tubes and computer screens, uh, the desktop computer screens, and uh, CRT screens on TVs. They all have a radiation effect that, that is detrimental. But I think this point, which we came uh, across in studying brainwave patterns. Um, your brain produces basically four frequencies alpha, beta, theta and delta. And a lot of people know that. You your um, your alpha state is your dream state, you know, you produce that. Um, your body produces these brain wave patterns. Well, there, there was some studies going on to try to find out if there was a correlation between ba- brain waves and diseases or or medical problems. Did the person who had leukemia show a different brainwave pattern than um, a normal person? And did somebody who had cancer produce a different one? So, you know, what they were trying to do is find something that could use brainwave patterns to diagnose problems. But in doing this, they came across an interesting uh, phenomenon, and that is that when a... um, in an experiment when they were actually uh, monitoring brainwave patterns to somebody who had some sort of healing going on. In other words, they could take anything as simple as an aspirin to light therapy to uh, any kind of uh, antibiotic, et cetera, anything that caused uh, an improvement or health change in the body, they noticed the brainwave pattern change. <laughs> Boom. And, and, it, and they discovered what looked like a pattern that said, this body is healing. From whatever um, source originated the healing, didn't matter. It just says, oh, our body's healing now versus not healing. And then they were monitoring this one person, and all of a sudden the brainwave pattern went, boom, the healing pattern literally disappeared. They went out to see what this person was doing. They were remotely uh, monitoring it. The person had just turned on the TV set. Wow. So translating what I'm saying here is a TV set has a refreshing rate, you know, and a computer has a refreshing rate. And you know what that is, but for our audience, that means the picture is refreshing many thousands of times a second. And it's all these dots on the screens. Well, this refreshing rate pattern that was on TVs and computers and in fluorescent lights actually stopped the body from healing. It actually ceased the healing concept until you turned the TV off and the body resumed on a brainwave pattern. So what I'm saying is that not only is there radiation effects like microwaves, etc., and radiation that comes out of the ends of tubes and computer sets... But now, just the screen itself causes the refreshing rates, the pulsing rates. Here we go back to pulsing, like pulsing in a fluorescent light, you know, causes your irritation. Well, it's not only irritation, but it also uh, impacts the healing of the body. So, um, the audience out there who is listening to this, if they want to experiment with it, just sit down in front of your TV set and watch it. And then intensely turn your head sideways so you cannot see the TV. And be aware of how your body feels. It's just like you came out of a trance. If you're looking for it, you will feel it. Turn back, look at the TV for a while, turn your head away, and all of a sudden um, it's like you came out of a trance. So you can check for yourself the impact of TVs and computers and fluorescent lights. So not only, so it does impact the healing rate. The game is if you want to heal, you shouldn't be sitting in front of your TV while you're healing. <laughs> Find yourself a nice quiet place, preferably sunny. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to throw that in. Very
0: interesting. It, Very interesting. Uh,
1: <laughs> it, it hasn't anything to do with light, but it has to do with the pulsing rates of light that impact the eyes. And so, in a sense, it's another thing to be aware of out there because you can take some action on that.
0: I imagine that advertisers must know this.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. We have subliminal programming, you know, and there are a lot of things that take place on a the, on the TV set, but this is one that probably our audience hadn't heard before.
0: I think it's interesting also that you talk about on your site, lightenergycompany.com, How much sunlight do I need? And I want to reiterate this, that it's a minimum of 30 minutes a day and ideally two hours.
1: Two hours. You got it.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to share with us today?
1: Just a quick rundown of things that LED lights uh, have been able to do. They've been able to um, work with virtually any tissue. So people start saying, will it do this? Will it do that? Actually, it works with all tissue. If you're working with the eyes, uh, glaucoma, cataracts, macular conditions, if you're working with the cosmetic skin, if you're working with open wounds, if you're working with joint pain, uh, in in our 25 years of working with this, we have found very few things that light doesn't work help or work on in terms of relieving pain or healing. So, and almost every condition that people talk to us on, we can basically say, yeah, we've seen this happen. We've seen that happen in that area. So light is effective throughout the whole body and including things like allergy reactions to food and allergy reactions to airborne substances um, Stress, emotion release, tension in the body can be dealt with with light. So there are very few afflictions to the human condition that can't be dealt with by light. And I urge the audience to pursue finding more about different types of light that can help their specific conditions uh, there is stuff out there that will work and for those that want to know more at least from 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 our company i think that you mentioned the website which is lightenergycompany.com lightenergycompany.com spell it all the way out including the word company lightenergycompany.com, or the 800 number, which is 800-544-4826. That's 800-544-4826, or otherwise known as 1-800-LIGHTCO.
0: You're a wonderful teacher, by the way. Ladies and gentlemen, I've watched David teach at the Cancer Control Conference, and he's so articulate and I so much appreciate you coming on the show to educate us and bring us up to date on what's happening and what we need to pay attention to there's three shows on light one we did which covered everything in sight in 2004 we did the science of light a few weeks ago and this is about light therapy today you're right stay light David
1: okay (laughs) bye-bye